Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, the official podcast of Ingenious Prep and your go-to resource for expert admissions strategy. My name is Noelle, and each episode, I'll bring you behind-the-scenes knowledge from former admissions officers about their first-hand experiences reviewing applications. Our strategies have helped countless students gain acceptance to top universities, and we're here to help your student gain that competitive edge and do the same. If you would like to set up a complimentary strategy call, simply follow the link in our episode description, and our expert team of enrollment counselors will work with you to create a personalized plan for admission into your student's dream school. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for another exciting episode. Today, I sat down with Nick, who previously was a senior assistant director of admissions at Yale and currently is a former admissions officer at Ingenious Prep. And we let you in on some of our secrets and expert strategies that got 97% of our students accepted into their REACH schools last year. Now, you might be wondering, what is our secret formula that increases our students' chances by seven times to get into a top 10 school? Well. It's because of insider knowledge like this. If you write about your academic interest in a personal statement, or if you write about one of your activities, then that information is already going to appear elsewhere on your application. And so you may have missed an opportunity to provide an even broader picture of who you are. And this. Every student, of course, really is unique. We just have to find what is unique about them and express that clearly on the application. I really hope you're as eager as I am for this episode. So without further ado, let's jump right into our interview with Nick. Hi, Nick. How are you today? Hi, good. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So for our new listeners, can you briefly introduce yourself, share a little bit about your background? Sure, I'd be happy to. As you know, I'm a former admissions officer at Ingenious Prep. In the past, I was a senior assistant director of admissions at Yale University, where I read 2,000 applications, perhaps at most each year, both as the primary reader and as a second reader. I traveled around the country talking to high school students about the application process, and I sat on the admissions committee each year, which is where the final decisions were made during the admissions process. In this role, I got an inside look at how these difficult decisions are made and how students in the applicant pool can do their best to stand out in what is an increasingly competitive process. In addition to my role working as an admissions officer in the past, I've also worked in a couple of other positions that is related very much to my work today. I worked as a high school teacher for a couple of years right after college, teaching history, AP economics, and English classes. And then I also have a PhD in history and educational policy studies from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Perfect. So I know that our students love working with you and that you always have such great advice for our students. The reason I wanted to interview you in particular today is to get that advice and focus primarily on our older students, students in 12th grade, and talk more about how important it is to have experts like you guide students to success. So I want to start by sharing a quick anecdote with you. We recently had a parent who had an eldest daughter She was a top student, had top grades. She had a job, just an overall great student. She was pretty confident about her school list and getting accepted at at least one of them. But at the end, she actually ended up getting rejected from all of her schools. So not surprisingly, the mom had shared with us how shocking and eye-opening that experience was for their eldest daughter. They really thought she would be an absolute shoe-in to a lot of these top colleges. So... The mom reached out to us for help with her second daughter's applications, really to avoid going through what her older sister did. And we can talk more about this, but this story, while shocking, 
actually is quite common. We unfortunately see this happen to so many students. So from your point of view, as someone who has worked as a former admissions officer, why do you think it is absolutely necessary for students to work with a college admissions consultant if they're aiming for a top school? The anecdote that you mentioned is a good one because it's indicative of, first of all, the highly competitive application landscape that students face today. And what that means is that there are many students who may be excellent academically, who may have an impressive number of extracurricular activities, and certainly would be qualified to attend any number of top schools. But what we've found, I think, in our work with students and in the application process the last few years is that having excellent grades, uh, even being a leader in multiple activities in your school, are usually enough to get you in the final conversation at top schools, but not necessarily enough to get in. There are so many factors that go into the admissions decisions at each school, which can be individual to the applicant and individual to the school itself. So to answer your question about why should students work with a college admissions consultant and what can we as admissions consultants provide that parents or family friends or others cannot, as a parent myself who actually went through this process with our son last year, I know that the college application process itself can be stressful. I know that it can be difficult sometimes for parents and teenagers to work together on a stressful project like this in a way that doesn't lead to some sort of conflict. At a very basic level, I think one great reason to work with a college admissions consultant is this can take the pressure off both the parent and the student to have an expert working with them so that the parents and the student can feel confident about the process. And the parents then can actually take a step back and play a very important supportive role in the process. Another reason is that the admissions process is actually quite complex. Even if you are only applying to a few schools, each school usually has multiple essay questions, supplemental materials to provide. Each school, of course, has its own academic programs or specialized majors or even on-campus opportunities that take many hours and a lot of time to research and learn about. Working with a college admissions consultant who's already familiar with a lot of schools and familiar with the application process can save a lot of time and help students and families find the perfect fit for what the student and the family are looking for. Another reason that it's valuable to work with an admissions consultant is that they have a bird's eye view of the process and they have a sense, kind of like I did as an admissions officer at Yale, of what stands out and also what does not stand out in a highly competitive applicant pool. There are a number of students who may come to us with ideas for a personal statement essay or ideas for how they want to shape their application. They are certainly not bad ideas, but they may be ideas that are very common in a highly competitive applicant pool. And that's not something that a typical student or family would be able to know or realize without having a greater sense of the context of what it is like to read applications within a highly competitive admissions office. So that broader context is very important. It's also really valuable to get the one-on-one -on -one attention that we provide and that a college admissions consultant provides in this process. Students, I think, are often surprised at how much work it takes to put together even just one college application, especially if you want to do it to your very best level. Students in particular are often surprised by how many revisions they end up doing with us on the personal statements and even short essays. It's always more than they think, and usually they tell us it's more than they've ever done for a high school paper even if they are very top writers or English students or even just top students in general. Perfect. I love that you went into all the different reasons. And I think it's also important to note how holistic these reasons are in that it covers so many different 
aspect of the application. I know a common thing we see is that a parent feels like they can maybe adequately guide their child through their supplemental essays, for example. So oftentimes parents will come to us and say, oh, we have mostly everything done. We have the activities list and the supplemental essay done. We just need help with one particular aspect of the application. So in response to this, can you explain why we emphasize the importance of working on the entire application and not just one particular aspect? It really starts with the fact that virtually all of the top schools in the United States use a process called holistic review, which means that they read every part of a student's application, including the materials submitted by teachers as teacher recommendations, uh, counselor recommendations, all of the essays written by the students. They really review all of those aspects of it before they make a final evaluation and before they take those applications to the admissions committee for a final decision. And I can tell you from my experience that there's never one part of the application that is most important. Every application is unique and different in its own respect. But what is most important is the big picture that an admissions officer comes away with after reading the application. And that never comes just from a personal statement or just from one essay or even just from one teacher recommendation. It is really the sum of the parts that is most important. And so when we work with students, we emphasize that all of the different pieces of your application, from the personal statement to the supplementary essays to even the recommendations from teachers and your counselor, they need to fit together in a coherent way to provide a clear picture of who you are and what you want to be. And so it's important to think about each of the pieces of the application as pieces of a puzzle, which you need to fit together in a compelling way. And it's almost impossible to do that just by focusing on one aspect of the application. For example, I've noticed that a common mistake that students make, and one of the challenges they face when they begin working with us sometimes, is that they may want to write about a personal statement topic that include information that will appear elsewhere on their application. So for example, writing a personal statement about their number one activity or even number two activity or writing a personal statement about their intended academic major. Certainly, one could mention these aspects in their personal statement, but it's important to know that if you write about your academic interest in a personal statement or if you write about one of your activities, then that information is already going to appear elsewhere on your application. And so you may have missed an opportunity to provide an even broader picture of who you are and to use those different parts of the application to complement one another. So for all these reasons, it's really important to think about the application as one big piece composed of different parts, personal statement, teacher recommendations, counselor recommendations, academic profile, supplementary essays. Uh, there is no one piece that is really most important or more important than all the others. And I know building a school list is also a really important piece of this puzzle. We often see parents and students have almost a skewed view of schools. They don't really understand what schools exactly are target, which schools are reach, etc. Can you break down for us what exactly goes into creating a balanced school list? It's really important to do wide-ranging research for all students. Even if a student comes to us with a dream school or several dream schools in mind, and even if those schools will be the ones that they really want to put at the top of their list. It's still important to look widely at a range of different schools and just learn about what's out there before making a final decision. I say that because many students have come to us and we have made recommendations of top schools or excellent schools, which the student ends up falling in love with once they research it. So one of my, I think, favorite parts of working with students is really introducing them to the wide variety of top schools that are out there 
and even explaining the differences between well-known schools, even within just that Ivy League setting, the schools are quite different in terms of their size, in terms of their campus personalities, and in terms of their unique academic program. So my advice to students is to compose a balanced school list, which will provide them with at least several very good, compelling, excellent options to consider in the spring of their senior year. So for example, if a student applies to 10 schools as part of their application, I think a school list that is too risky or too aggressive might leave them with too few options. In the worst case scenario, zero or one option. And then a school list which is too conservative or too risk averse might leave them with 10 acceptance offers, suggesting that maybe they could have even reached a little bit higher. So I think a good balanced list will never be a list where a student gets into every school, but also a list where they will get into more than one school and they'll have to make a tough choice, ideally, in the spring between schools that they might attend. If you don't get into a school early decision, which is a binding process that we can talk more about, then you want two or three schools that you can make a final visit to before you make your final decision. And that's the way I think you can really feel comfortable about finding the school that's the perfect fit for you. And do you have a formula for creating the perfect balanced school list? If a student is applying, let's say, to 10 schools, we would advise that maybe half of those schools in the list, five out of those 10, would be considered reach schools. Now, for most students, reach schools are going to be ones with an overall acceptance rate below about 15 to 20 percent. Um, some of this will depend on the individual student's profile, but much of it also depends on national admissions trends. So about half the list would be schools that are reaches, that is schools that are very selective, schools where we are hopeful and optimistic about a student's chances of getting in, but we can never be sure simply because of the selectivity of the process. In addition to that, we would recommend that a student applies to two or three target or fit schools. These are schools that would tend to have acceptance rates between about 20 and 40 percent overall. And then in addition to those two to three schools, we always recommend that a student applies to at least two safety schools, as we call them, which would be schools where we are virtually certain based on what we know about the school's admission rate, what we know about the student's individual profile, that the student is virtually certain to be accepted at those. And so with this formula, I think a good school list would be one in which a student is accepted ultimately to four, five, six, maybe seven of those 10 schools if not all of them, but usually somewhere in the middle there, which ensures that they have reached as far as they can and also that they have provided themselves with some good fallback options because of the selectivity of the process. So that would be kind of our general formula for that. The process is still very much individualized. We take into account family and student preferences, but that would be my general advice for how to put together a school list. Perfect. I love the way you explained that metrically because I do think a lot of parents and students are unsure of how exactly to classify schools. Are there any additional metrics out there like a school's average GPA or test scores that a student should consider as well? There's a number of different metrics that we can look at to consider whether a school is a reach, whether it's a target or fit, or whether it's a safety. As you mentioned, schools will release the average SAT and ACT scores for admitted students. And so if a student has an SAT or ACT score at or above the median range of accepted students at a school, that can help us feel more confident about a student's chances at that school. Schools will also make public the average GPA or perhaps class rank or class standing of the typical accepted student. So these are metrics we can look at as well. But as I mentioned, there are some programs that are more competitive than others, some majors that are more competitive than others. Some of those would include computer science, business, engineering. 
And at some schools, there is a separate admissions process for these programs. That's another thing that we help students decide how to strategize, how to apply. Um, so again, the process has some general advice, general considerations, but also very individualized considerations as well. And you had mentioned early decision, early action, which I'd love to dive into a bit further. What are your best recommendations here when it comes to strategizing for early action or early decision students? This is a good question because the decision of where to apply early decision or early action is one of the most important. An early decision program, just to clarify the meaning of these terms, an early decision program is one in which a student can apply early, usually around November 1st. And if they are admitted to that school early, then they are bound to attend. So, for example, I were to apply to the University of Pennsylvania early decision on November 1st, I would get a decision back around mid-December. And if admitted, I would be bound to attend the University of Pennsylvania. The downside of this, of course, is that you don't get to apply to other schools and consider other colleges. But the reason to apply early decision is that it can boost your admissions chances. Applying early decision usually has a higher acceptance rate, maybe two or three times higher than the overall average. This admission rate needs to be taken into context. It's true that usually the most qualified applicants will apply in the early round. But it's still the case that applying early decision will usually boost your chances of admission at that particular school. And I should mention this, many schools, not all, have an early decision two round in January, where you can apply January 1st and get a decision back, usually in mid-February, for a school that is binding in that early decision round. Early action, on the other hand, does not give as much of a boost as early decision. However, it offers a chance to simply get a decision back earlier so one could apply to Yale, for example, in the early action round and get a decision back from Yale in mid or late December, which could be an acceptance, a deferral, or a rejection. Um, if accepted, a student can continue to apply to other schools and still weigh their options. Early action, though, it does give a small boost, and it is a way to signal to schools that this particular school is your number one choice or top interests. And one of the most important things we do with students is to really strategize how to best use those early decision and early action rounds. It's important not to choose an early decision school, for example, or early action school that is too selective because that can waste an opportunity to apply early decision or early action elsewhere. So you really want to find that sweet spot, that school in the early round that is a reach for you, but realistic if you take into account the boost that you can gain by applying early decision. And I think certainly by around this time of the year, September, it's important to narrow down and identify the schools that you want to apply to early decision or early action. And I should note, in some cases, you can apply to more than one school in the early round, depending on the school's policy. And it's important to decide that now so that you can spend the next two months before November 1st finalizing that application. Because those early applications, I can tell you, will be among the hardest to complete because they are your first college applications and you want them to be your best work because these rounds can be particularly important to your admissions chances. Fantastic. Going back to your experience as a former admissions officer, really working with students on their applications, can you share with us some common gaps you often see with your 12th grade students when they first come to work with you? A student might be very strong academically. That is, they have taken very rigorous courses and they've received excellent grades. Also, they have often been very involved in their school and perhaps a leader in two or three activities in their school or community. So all very impressive accomplishments. But among all those things, there isn't a clear theme to their application. 
For example, a student might be the captain of their debate team. They might be the leader of a service club, a community service club. They might sit on their student council. But it's not clear how those interests or activities fit together or how they might align with a future academic or career interests. And I think what's important for students to realize is that admissions officers want to know how all of your academic and personal extracurricular interests fit together. That is, how do you see these various activities contributing to your future and shaping your life in college and beyond? There are many students who, in light of the very highly competitive application process, they simply try to do everything they can in high school to stand out, taking the most rigorous courses, trying to become a leader in every activity. And that can be helpful, but it's just as important to have a clear focus to your activities. So one of the things which I'll often do with students if they come to us in 12th grade and they've done many things is we try to make sense of that. And I ask them lots of questions about how their interests fit together. Another common gap for students who are aiming for the most highly selective schools is that students may participate in many common activities, and that is activities that one might find at any high school, maybe debate, maybe sports team, maybe science club. And they might be a leader of those activities, but they don't necessarily have a unique activity or a unique role in their school that helps them stand out. This is sometimes what we call a signature project or a passion project with students we work with. That is some sort of project or activity that uniquely reflects their interests. And ideally, it can be helpful to plan these sorts of signature or personal projects before 12th grade. But I also like to emphasize that 12th graders still have time to put together some sort of short project the fall of their senior year, which can help them reflect their unique interests. For example, I've had a student who was working with us in the summer before 12th grade, and they were interested in thinking about how their art could reflect topics in philosophy. And so they ended up putting together, with our help, a just a short one-time art show in their school with a particular theme of looking at the connections between art and philosophy. And their main role was to organize this show. They were able to showcase some of their art, and they were also able to invite friends to participate. And this was not a major project or a huge project that took many hours or weeks or even years to plan. But it was something they could include on their activity list that was just a unique reflection of their particular interests and that combined two of their particular academic interests. The final thing that is very common for students that I work with, and again, even for the most high achieving students, is that almost all students struggle with forms of personal writing, the types that are required for many application essays and including the personal statement. And this is even for students who are fantastic writers and who get A's in the most challenging English or literature classes, many students struggle writing about themselves. And this is one of the most important parts, of course, of a college application. So we spend a lot of time reflecting, thinking about how a student might tell their own story in a unique way, because that can be one of the most important ways to standing out is really telling your story and explaining who you are in a genuine way that is going to help show why you are unique among all the other highly competitive applicants that are out there. So those are just a few of the kind of common gaps and common things that I tend to work on with students who come to us in 12th grade, just before the application process starts. And would you be able to share some examples of students you've worked with and how you were able to help them? One recent student I worked with was interested in electrical engineering as a future potential major. That, of course, is a very competitive field. The student was very strong in terms of math and science coursework and in terms of testing. Uh, the student was looking towards a very selective 
technical schools like MIT or Caltech, we knew that it would be very difficult to stand out as an engineer, even with very strong academics and test scores. And so we talked with the student about where their passion for engineering comes from and types of engineering projects they like to work on. It turned out that in, in learning about this student, they had done some research on solar energy and they spent some time working in a lab, working on this particular project. And it also turned out that the student really was passionate and interested in climate change as a topic that was, of course, important for their generation. And that the student liked to do a lot of outdoor activities, things like biking, fishing. And so we developed an application persona that combined their interests in engineering and climate change and outdoor activities to describe them as a future electrical engineer who was passionate about climate change. And the student ended up writing a very compelling, unique, and powerful essay about biking to school and what climate benefits that had and what they saw along the way, which were big highways, lots of cars. So it turned out to be a very kind of interesting story that this student told about how their interest in engineering and their passion for climate change fit together. And we weaved this theme throughout the student's personal statement and their supplementary essays to really paint a clear and compelling picture of what the student wanted to get out of their college education and what they saw as their big goals in the future in college and beyond. And this student ended up getting into MIT. Um, I think they put together a very compelling application. And that was because they were more than just an electrical engineer. They were someone who was interested in and passionate about important issues that affect everyone. They were also uh, more than just another student interested in climate change. They had real research to back that up and a unique combination of engineering and activism. Wow, I love that. And huge congrats to him for getting into MIT. That's so exciting and such a big win. So really the key aspect that led to the student success was that they were able to successfully tie in all of their different interests into one common theme, correct? Yeah, I think so. It truly is the combination of interests that can help a student stand out. You have to remember that really each student is unique. And I think many students come to us and they don't feel like they are unique or they might feel stressed about how they can stand out. And I like to remind them that every student, of course, really is unique. We just have to find what is unique about them and express that clearly on the application. So even if you are interested in a subject or a future major, which is very common, such as business or pre-med, there's lots of different ways that you can tell your story no matter what it is you want to study or do in the future. One other example is of a student who came to us interested in music and psychology as two potential future majors. The student, I think, came to us most interested in and most concerned about applying as a psychology major. That was his primary academic interest at the time. But it turned out, as we got to know him, that he was interested in a wide range of subjects and that he was quite a talented trumpet player. He had played with a very selective youth orchestra. He had actually played in bands with some well-known musicians, and he certainly planned on continuing to play his trumpet in college. And so we looked for a way, again, like the student interested in engineering and climate change, to weave together these two interests. In this particular student's case, the student came to us in the summer before 12th grade, which of course did not leave us a lot of time to work on things before it was time to submit the applications. However, this student was able to participate in one of our academic mentorship programs in the fall of 12th grade. And so as he was putting together his application, he was doing research 
with a professor on the topic of music as medicine. He was able to write a paper, which he eventually submitted for publication over the course of 12th grade, which looked at the role of music as a form of therapy. And this became a kind of centerpiece of his application. I should be clear, he had not finished the paper before it came time to apply early and he had not submitted it for publication, but it was still valuable to have that research underway. He was able to provide an abstract of his research and a description of what he was studying in his application. And this provided a clear example of how he was planning to combine his interests in music and psychology in college. So this was just another example of a way we look to combine two subjects in a student's application to help them stand out in a unique way. Perfect. And you mentioned the academic mentorship program. So I do want to go back to all the different services that we have at Ingenious Prep, primarily our application counseling program. Can you briefly walk us through what it looks like when a student starts working with you? What does the strategy process look like? The FAO strategy report is something that I put together for all of the students I work with and something that all of our FAOs put together for their students at the very beginning of their work with us. So at whatever point a student comes to us, whether it's in June before 12th grade or July or August or even September, I will put together in my role as an FAO a detailed strategy report that gives an assessment of how the student's academic, extracurricular, and personal qualities and achievements compare to the typical applicants at the most selective schools. Then I will provide a strategic framework for how the student can maximize their strengths in each part of the application. So the personal statement, the activity list, the supplementary essays, the recommendation letters. And then I provide recommendations of how the student might make strategic choices about where to apply early and about how to shape their school list. So it really is a comprehensive document which provides a roadmap for both myself and the student and the graduate coach throughout the application process. The most important part of this strategy report is the draft of the student application persona, which is my recommendation for how the student can combine their strengths in a unique way, how they can capture a unique compelling theme that will run through all aspects of their application. So this strategy report becomes something that we as a team, we end up referring back to throughout the course of the application process. And so we'll do that as soon as we start working together with a student, and then we'll continue to update it throughout the process. And for students who are in absolute crunch time and miss the deadline to sign up for application counseling, which is what we've been discussing so far, we do have a final review program available. Can you briefly describe for our listeners this final review process and how it is different from application counseling? For the final review, I will review an application just like an admissions officer would. So I will read the application in the same way that I read applications at Yale. And I will provide comments on each part of the application for the student and then advice on how the student can improve each part of the application or how they might enhance it. Even if students cannot go through the whole application counseling process with us, this can be very valuable because it can help students avoid some very basic or common mistakes. So that final review really is, again, a holistic review of a student's application with targeted advice on how to improve it before they finally submit. 
So to clarify, the key difference between the two programs is on one hand, we have application counseling where you as a former admissions officer, you're very involved in creating that strategy, really just going on this journey together with the student to improve all aspects of the application. While on the other hand, we have final review where it's really the last chance for a student to get your thoughts and advice and make these changes right before they submit their application, correct? That's right. Of course, in a final review, given the timing, there's often only so much we can do. You know, for example, I wouldn't necessarily recommend rewriting a personal statement if the topic wasn't the best choice, but I would still recommend to a student ways that they can improve what they have and enhance the application that they have in front of them. So even though it's not the full application counseling process, it's still a very valuable review process. One final question for you. If you could leave our listeners with one key piece of wisdom, and it can be about anything college admissions, what would it be? I think I'll aim big picture here, and I'll say that throughout the process for students and for families, I think you should really focus on fit in terms of the college that you're looking for. Keep in mind that in the United States, if you are lucky enough to attend any of the top 50 colleges, then you are going to be attending a school which has the resources and opportunities to really achieve all of your goals. But many of those schools are different from one another. And so you should really focus on finding the school that is the best fit for you. That will not only help your application process and improve your chances of getting in, but it will also ensure that you are going to be happy wherever you go. And that really is the most important thing at the end of the day. So spend some time really thinking about which school is the best fit for you. Don't just look at rankings. The number five ranked school is not necessarily better than the number 12 ranked school or even the number 30 ranked school, according to U.S. News and World Report. Really look at the schools as unique places that can potentially be a unique fit for your goals and interests. And every school on that list, whether it's a reach school, whether it's a target school or whether it's a safety school, should be a school that at the end of the day, you would be excited to attend as a student. So give your school list and give your application process that kind of thought and be sure that you're looking at schools, which really will be the best fit for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like to speak with one of our experts, you can set up a complimentary strategy call with one of our enrollment counselors by following the link in our episode description. And for more information and access to additional resources, you can register for our webinars, which is also linked in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, you can email me directly at noelle.kim at ingeniousprep.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Inside the Admissions Office. And don't forget to follow the podcast so you're notified every time a new episode is available. That's all for now, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.